Welcome to the Student Housing Insight Podcast, where we are putting you in touch with the people who bring student housing to life. I'm your host, Wesley Dees. Well, guys, it is literally the last day of July as I'm recording this, which means for the vast majority of folks out there, it's move out day. So how's it going? Has anyone cried yet? Has anyone quit yet? (laughs) What kind of stuff did your residents leave behind for you to deal with? How is your team meshing together? How are your vendors doing? Look, we want to hear all about it, and we're giving away prizes to you and your team members on a daily basis for telling us about it. So if you've not downloaded our mobile app, go do it now. It's called SHI Connect, and you can find it both at the App Store as well as on Google Play. Once you make an account, start posting your stories from turn. You know, the funny team pictures, the gross stuff your residents left behind, as well as all those happy faces on move-in day. The app is a place to share our industry wins and losses. It's a place to vent as well as celebrate. And more than anything, it's just really a place to network with other student housing professionals and to help each other out when we need it. So go download the app today. Again, it is SHI Connect. Okay, so let's talk about today's episode. It's not going to be about turn. If anything, it's about something you should consider doing if you end up with some vacancy after turn and after move-ins are over with. If you've been listening to this podcast over the 18 months or so, you've heard our opening advertisement for Vector Travel. And for those that don't know about Vector, quite simply, they take our, our vacant units that you know you were not able to lease out and they turn them into short-term rentals on Airbnb and you know other similar platforms. I don't think they do VRBO, but you know, those type of places. If you've ever found yourself with a vacant unit or or five or 10, (laughs) you know how hard that can be to lease up until the spring semester or even next fall. That's just the nature of student housing. And a lot of us who have found ourselves in that situation thought about and maybe even tried converting those units into short-term rentals for game day weekends or parents that come to visit. If you've ever followed through with that, tried it you've probably learned like I did it's way more work than you originally thought and it created a complete distraction from your main job and that's why I love vector I've used them I've used them myself and we'll talk about that a little bit more in the interview but they take all of that hassle away and they maximize the revenue that can be generated So I know many of you are facing some vacancy this coming fall, and I wanted to sit down with Vector CEO, Mickey Kropp, to give you a behind-the-biz look at what they do and how they do it. So before I hit play on this interview, I want to mention something. After this interview, Mickey sent me a comp report of current and projected nightly rates in many of the college markets. And I was shocked at what some of these markets are getting for night, for nightly rates. I know most of the tier one schools, of course, in the Power Five conferences, have done very well from a pre-leasing standpoint this year. Those same markets are also getting some extremely high nightly rates on the short, short-term rental market. Places like Oxford, Mississippi and Athens, Georgia, 
they're getting over 450 sometimes $500 a night for a two-bedroom apartment. And that's just been in the past few weeks. It's not even looking quite far enough into the into the football season when, you know, that may even double. But at those rates, you know, you've only got to you've only got to rent it out for two or three nights to make the same that you would in monthly rent. So if you are if you're sitting on some vacant units for this fall, please listen to this interview with Mickey and at the very least send him an email and ask him for some projections for your property. All right, let's get to the interview. Mickey, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Wes. Glad to be here. Well, it's uh, first of all, I want to thank you for being such of a generous sponsor for the, the past. It was only supposed to be a year, but it's ended up being like a year and a half. <laughs> well, because it's been so 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 good, so fun, so productive. Uh, love working with you, Wes. So thank you. <laughs> well, it's um, it, yeah, and it was one of those things we got we got caught behind when I was out for for COVID last summer and. You were gracious enough to <laughs> to allow me to to catch up on that, so I appreciate that. It's great when we've got a sponsor like that for an entire year because one, I don't have to do you know a lot of different um, ad spots for it, so it's a little bit little less work for me. But it's also everybody seems to start kind of understanding you know who Vector is because you know they're kind of they're hearing it over and over again, and so. Uh, that's been, that's been neat to, you know, watch, you know, that happen over the past 18 months or so. And, um, it seems like, you know, anybody I talk to any conference that I go to, there's somebody that says, Hey, tell me a little bit about this short-term rental sponsor that you've got. And so that's been fantastic. Right. Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, we would say the same thing that just sort of like category awareness has just really increased. And I think a lot of it has to do with, um, this partnership. So thank you. Well, when I do these behind the biz podcast episodes, I really like to just, you know, right off the bat, ask the, you know, the CEO or whoever it is that I'm interviewing. Okay. What's the, what's the 30 to 90 second elevator speech? And, you know, we all put them together for our businesses. So for our audience who may not have heard that before, what's your, what's your 30 to 90 second elevator speech? Yeah, so we are a multifamily hospitality company. We specialize in student housing, amongst other asset classes. And essentially, we generate additional NOI for our clients, management companies, and ownership through hospitality operations. So we're a full-service operator, uh, and we can turn vacancy into net new NOI, I think is, is kind of the core value proposition that we provide. And basically, doing that is through kind of the short-term rental agent or not agencies, but short-term rental channels that are out there, Airbnb, vectorstays.com, which is your website. I know you've got, you know, that, that serves as a channel as well. Uh, but that's where really where you're pulling your audience or I shouldn't say your audience, but that's where you're pulling your customers in from is from the short-term rental channels, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the whole framework, the, the reason that we can even exist is that the operation, the tech stack, uh, the personnel, it's all different with a kind of shorter term stay focus. Um, and so, so what we figured out is that we can go in alongside on-site management and activate spaces. You know, maybe it's 
maybe it's three or four units and it's just kind of the more the limited service model. We'll get the onsite team a little more involved, or maybe it's a full service uh, operation, 10, 10 or more units. Maybe it's a brand new property. Maybe it's something that delivered late, um, or maybe it's, it just has a big vacancy issue for some reason, but we can go in and activate those spaces. So add maybe housewares, linens, decor to, to finish off the furnishing so that somebody can just kind of show up with a suitcase and stay from anywhere from, you know, one or two nights, three nights, uh, to 60, 90 nights, but they have everything they need in place. And yeah, and it's, it's a full service operation. So we're, we're handling, you know, marketing, booking, guest services, housekeeping, all of the accounting and compliance. The only thing we really don't do is maintenance typically, though we can do that too. Yeah. And then, you know, for, for our clients, whether again, management companies or ownership, they're just going to get basically what, what pretty much amounts to NOI. I mean, there may be one or two additional expenses to net out, but um, you know, we'll, we'll take our fee, we'll cover our, all of our expenses and um, yeah, and then pay that out. And so it can really be a boon for a property that, that may otherwise, you know, have a little bit of a, a challenge on their yeah. hands. When I can speak to that firsthand, um, I kind of feel like this is the, uh, the hair club for men because, <laughs> you know, not only am I advertising for you guys, but <laughs> I've also been a client as well. And um, I, I had a property in Fayetteville, Arkansas that I was uh, doing asset management for, for a client. And the property was, it was a small property. Uh, you know, there was no reason that that property should not have been garnering more leases. But here's the thing about being in kind of a tier one school like University of Arkansas and being a small property. And I think everybody's, <laughs> everybody has worked on a small property. And this is less than 300 beds um, that I'm talking about. You're in a great market, but you don't have the marketing dollars to, to play with the big boys. You know, the, the 800 bed, the thousand bed properties, even the 500 bed properties, it's just not there. And so you're really having to make a lot of personal relationships and that type of thing in order to in tour, in order to fill that property up. And uh, we were just having a problem with that uh, back in 2018 and 2019. And, you know, came across you in, um, in 2018 and, and said, you know what, I think this makes a lot of sense. We'd had some conversations and when we got closer and closer, you know, to really this time of the year, July, August, uh, we said, uh, look, we know we're going to end up with some vacancy. Let's do everything that we can to consolidate so that we've got as many completely vacant apartments are possible. I think we ended up with somewhere between four and six. Yeah, and, I think it was six, uh, at least to yeah. start. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And we handed, uh, handed those over to you. And didn't get started is not not due to you, just because of insurance and stuff like that. It took a little bit longer. We didn't get you in there for the full football season and that type of thing, um, which was a, a bummer. And so that's one reason I wanted to record this now so that if there are folks listening to this and they know they're going to be looking at some vacancy and, and possibly have some completely full units available, this is the time to start talking about it and and to engage with with Mickey because it does take you know a few weeks to you know be able to execute on everything and get management companies to sign off of it, ownership to sign off of it, and all that kind of stuff. But when you guys came in, like right away, you know we saw a, a difference. There were immediate bookings. Um, I was just kind of shocked at where all <laughs> it was coming from. 
And right. And, and there was a brand new market for us too, right? Yeah. Which I mean, I think is is another thing that sometimes potential clients think is a is a roadblock or whatever. And they say, oh, well, you guys haven't operated in fill in the blank, you know, this tiny, maybe it's a tiny tier three market, or maybe it is a, a tier one market, but we haven't done it there. We just, we have a repeatable system. We can go in there and, and activate those spaces and you know, two to three weeks and they're generating cash flow that quickly. And it's not, it's not sort of like, well, will this succeed or not? It will succeed. It's just a matter of, you know, what is that level of, of success? Is it, is it going to be rent premiums that we wind up returning? Because we certainly do that at times. Or is it, you know, just going to replace rent? Will it just defray some of the those those other expenses that go with it and just generate some other income for the property? You know, it, 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 usually it's, it's um, at least a rent replacement though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was really shocked once we so you guys came in in fall of 2019 on those units and we, as we got into March of 2020 and everything hit with the pandemic and I was like, well, that's <laughs> probably not going to lease any of those out or rent any of those out on short term. And it did, it did like really cool off for about three or four weeks, but then all of a sudden it just exploded. And yeah. Well, that, that, that was a crazy thing, not just there. It was, it was overall, you know, we, we talked about category awareness, um, you know, amongst the broader consumer base during the pandemic, the counterintuitive thing that happened was, um, you know, people weren't traveling the same way, of course, but if yeah. they weren't truly on lockdown, maybe they wanted to go somewhere else and work remotely and they had the ability to do that now. Um, or maybe they just wanted to just whatever, just get out of town a little bit, go explore. I mean, my family did that. We took a road trip because we couldn't do like a, you know, a, a normal family vacation and wound up going to some, some smaller markets. But anyway, the net result was category awareness for general consumers around what we call, you know, industry speak, like alternative accommodations. So, you know, anything that's not a traditional hotel, but is in hospitality, that category awareness went, you know, I think it was, I think it doubled uh, during this span of twenty. 2020 to now, uh, which is yeah. amazing. And, and it just means that uh, this thing is, is really, it's going more mainstream, uh, not just within, you know, the student housing space, but, but amongst broader consumers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so that, that's been my experience and, you know, even, you know, moving into the summer of 2020, there were certainly months, certainly during those months, we were getting more in our revenue share than what we would have from, from market rent, you know, had we been able to rent it out, you know, the previous fall. So that was, that was fantastic. And that, you know, made me a true believer in what you guys are doing. You know, one of the main reasons I chose you guys, am I able to talk about Austin, Texas or? Sure. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So, so we, we have a, a property in common, which a lot of folks that are listening uh, will, will recognize the name of this property, which is the Doby Center in Austin, Texas. Um, Dobie Center is actually where, you know, uh, my understanding, Michael Dell started Dell Computers out of that building. And and so this historical building, it did get sold this past year to um, uh, Trinity Partners, ended up selling it to uh, the University of Texas. And now it's being operated as a, you know, within their uh, own campus res life. Uh, so th that's that's how important this this particular property is to uh, the UT Austin campus. And it was something that, uh, you know, it's, it's built like a traditional 
dorm in a lot of ways. There's it's got its own food service. There's also a multi-use facet to it as well because you've got kind of a mall and food court at the very bottom level. I think even at one time there was a movie theater in it, but uh, you know, <laughs> when I found out because we actually I managed uh, the company I worked with managed that property for a couple of years and prior to to Trinity purchasing it and south by southwest we had you know several we had a whole floor that was that was pretty much unrented and we said you know we could really make up this this income during south by southwest and we worked with somebody uh, the, the manager knew somebody local that operated a lot of airbnbs and she came in and and you know kind of helped him out with how to organize that and that was only two weeks and everybody <laughs> on site was just was just dragging after after that was done with and it was one of those things where we all had to look at each other and say okay is was that juice really worth the squeeze because mm-hmm. i don't think it was and and so when you and i started talking back in in 2018 come to find out <laughs> we were actually doing uh, short-term rentals for Trinity at the Dobie Center at that point in time. I'm like, it, and they just had you know great things to say about you. I'm like, okay, if Mickey has figured it out on the Dobie Center, then I know he can figure it out on any other kind of student housing. So, I mean, yeah, thank you for for that background, and I think that's right. And that was actually our first student housing asset uh, that we got into. And prior to that, we were in other multifamily properties that were, um, you know, I think frankly more what your average person would think they would be like yeah. class A, new, uh, you know, some kind of design element to kind of fit that, that if you're an Airbnb consumer, you kind of familiar with that Airbnb design aesthetic. And then here we were taking, you know, yes, it, it had been renovated, uh, but mostly not in the units, mostly, mostly in the, you know, the common spaces and amenities. And, um, and yeah, we layered on housewares, linens, decor. Uh, I actually just looked back at the, at the photos and the data the other day. Um, it looked, it looked pretty darn good and it performed really well. Um, and so that was the first, that was also the first property that we did with Trinity. And, um, you know, they, they, they're mostly, you know, conventional at market rate, but they, they have a, a student housing presence too. And, um, yeah, and that launched a, a relationship that we still have, thankfully, you know, we still work with them and, and that's expanded into, uh, probably 20 plus, maybe 25 assets together over time. You know, they yeah. come and go, they, they sell, but, uh, but yeah, you know, it was challenging in some ways it had kind of, you know, central controls on HVAC and the units didn't have full kitchens and all that. But I think we, I think we, we sent them about 300 to 350 K in, uh, in payouts over the course of a year. Yeah. Right. So it was, it was a success. It was 15 to 18 units that were just sitting vacant and they would have otherwise. And, and that really, I think that, you know, the, the, the gentleman there, Dave Seiler, who gave us that, um, gave us that opportunity. I'm, I really think of him as a visionary in the multifamily space, but he, uh, you know, he saw that he took that, you know, kind of internal case study and, and leveraged it into a whole program that they've built out with us. Um, so, yeah, but, but yeah, as we said, that just got us going. We've since, you know, parlayed that into working with, um, some other kind of household names in the student housing space. Yeah. Uh, so that, that was kind of the intersection with, with student housing, but let's go back, you know, a little bit before that, because what I like about behind the biz episode that we do is like finding out about the origin story hmm. of these companies. So 
Yeah, give us give us the origin story of Vector. How uh, how did that come along? Was that something you went to school for? You know, from a, a <laughs> no. standpoint. No, definitely not. It, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, it is a cool story. So yeah, yeah. So I mean, I guess my story. I will. I'll just start with. Um, I was a baseball player. Uh, that took me to lots of cool places. I, I got to go to an Ivy League school as a result. Um, you know, kept my nose clean, had good grades, and all, but you know, you need something usually to get into one of those. And, and, and baseball was the thing for me, uh, played a little bit of minor league baseball, but when that was all done, my whole life had just been baseball and, you know, books. And that was about it. I had no clue what I wanted to do. Um, I wound up in commercial real estate on the development side, mostly because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And it afforded me lots of opportunities to try out different functions, you know, so asset management, was basically my first role. I knew nothing, right? And they just threw me into a role. I worked with a company called Clark uh, out of DC uh, on the development team on a project actually at Fort Benning. And uh, uh, then rotated through various things, worked worked in that same field generally, development and commercial real estate finance for you know eight years. And then not this business. I, I started another business in the short-term rental space called rented.com. And it was a, a wholesale marketplace for short-term rental management companies like Vector is now to acquire units to manage. So definitely a niche product, whatever, but what, you know, kind of started my entrepreneurial journey doing that. Well, through that experience, we, we, we built some of those initial relationships. In fact, you know, Trinity was one of them, but, but various other multifamily companies um, that were open at least to leasing units to short-term rental companies. Um, not, not our model, which, which I really think is, you know, the leasing had to come first. It had to open the door for um, just the short terminal use in the properties, fitting into what what real estate companies were accustomed to. Yeah. When we, you know, I think I did that about six years, got it to a good place, built out the team, had repeatable systems, but. I got really excited about this opportunity with Vector to at least try to build a a client driven revenue share multifamily hospitality company. Uh, you know, like I like I mentioned, there were other companies out there doing it. Rented had been facilitating those uh, those leases, but I just didn't think that that model was sustainable. And sure enough, when the pandemic hit, uh, some of the companies that had raised you know hundreds of millions of dollars doing that went under and, you know, and Vector, even though it had just launched in 2018, still, still very much an early stage business, um, was, had a, had a more resilient model and was able to, to not only survive that, but we actually grew by, um, I think it was 300 plus percent in, uh, in 2020. And so that's sort of proven that competitors that still remain, you know, are now doing this model too, a little bit more rev share, but, uh, but yeah, we, and then as we've explored the market, we've understood that actually student housing is a great place for us to be for various reasons, which we could go into. Yeah. I, you know, I think let's start with this. Cause I like asking everybody this when it comes to, when it comes to student housing and, and what you're doing in your business, what's, what surprised you the most? Yeah. So, you know, in a, in a, Conventional property, there really is, you know, admittedly, there's there's a tension there with the short terminal use. Oftentimes, there's sort of this perception of less less uh, security and strangers who aren't part of the community and so forth. And and I know we hear those um, we hear those reservations from student housing leadership on a regular basis too, sure. but. All I can fall back on is our experience, you know, going back to Dobie in 2018 and then, you know, probably dozens of other properties since then in student housing. The resident population has 
generally no issue, right? They're consumers of short-term rentals themselves. They use Uber and Uber Eats and, you know, they travel on Airbnb. It is generally, you know, these, these sort of platforms that we're talking about, you know, some of them are like, Homes and Villas by Marriott and a little more traditional Hopper, we, we distribute on there. That's Capital One members. But you're, you're, the bread and butter of Airbnb is kind of the under 40, under 45 crowd. Um, and so anyway, the point is, it's just natural to them. They, they just think, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, they had vacant units. Cool. Yeah, they turned them into short-term rentals. And then when we, when we give them something out of it, we say, hey, these, are, these are your guest suites, if you will. Yeah. Here's a coupon code. Your friends and family can come and stay. Now, now it's almost an amenity to them. Um, and so setting that narrative we found really is helpful. Yeah. And then, you know, just, just the, the real potential that I think, I mean, we still have conversations with, with student housing companies that don't have any kind of activity yet with, with short-term rentals, short-term stays. And they just can't believe that the consumer side will want to stay in their property. But as, as we all know, you know, anybody listening to this and Wes, of course, you know, some of these student housing assets, they're not Dobie like, right? They're class A multifamily yeah. buildings that other than the business focus, other than maybe the floor plan setup, they could be just high rent uh, conventional multifamily. And, and, and I know, you know, some buildings are being repositioned that way. But the point is to the consumer, they can still be great experiences. And, and you know, just by nature, student housing assets are co-located with a demand generator in a college or university setting. Uh, that's going to bring vendors to town. It's going to bring alumni to town. It brings, you know, adjunct professors to town. It just brings, you know, leisure travelers who maybe just want a weekend to go try some college restaurants. So anyway, it's, um, yeah, I, I think on both fronts, on the supply front or, or all three fronts, really, on the resident response front and then the consumer front, They've all been surprising to us, but pleasantly so. Yeah. Well, you think about all of these, you know, tier one schools that are in the Southeast and part of, you know, the power five conferences, you know, they're, they're big universities, but Clemson's a prime example. You know, I, I'm pretty sure there's, there's still no more than five hotels in, <laughs> in Clemson. And you've got to, you've got to drive out to Greenville or, you know, down to Augusta before, you know, you find a decent hotel and, it's a great that, point. You know, you're talking about you're talking about a community that on a football weekend, you know, can surge to over a hundred thousand people. That's right. And you know, it's it's one of those things where they're just not being served well from you know from a, a hospitality standpoint. That I think that I think that's one of the reasons you guys have probably seen you know so much success in, in that. Plus, you know, you've got if it's not a land grant unit. You know, university where you know you're kind of out in the middle of nowhere it's it's like your raleigh your tallahassee where you know you're in a, a state capital and there's mm-hmm. and austin's a great example you know there's great festivals that go on and hotels can you know can certainly be expensive and not everybody wants to not everybody wants to share a bathroom with you know whoever whoever they're going to that festival with or a conference mm-hmm. with student housing you know provides something very convenient where, you know, everybody's got their own, they've got their own bedroom and bathroom. So I think it, I think that's one of the reasons you're seeing so much success with it, which has been great to been great to see. Yeah. That's, I mean, and you hit on the, I think the main value proposition to the consumers is, is really just value compared to hotels. So yeah. And, and you're spot on many, many college towns, if you will, are um, they're sort of under hoteled and, and there really is a need uh, for, for this type of lodging. But then when you think about 
you know, even a, even a family, like I have, I have three young kids. When we travel, we really do prefer at least the option of having a kitchen in our unit as opposed to, you know, traditional hotel wouldn't, it would have a kitchen at it best. You know, so sometimes that might mean a Marriott residence in, but think of these vacant student housing units, almost like extended stay opportunities, you know, and, uh, and maybe we don't use it most of the time. Maybe we eat out two meals out of the day, but maybe we do breakfast because it's easy with the, you know, the full kitchen setup. Many of our consumers love that. They also just love the additional space, you know, so you get, I mean, basically every unit's a suite, right? When, when compared against a hotel, you have a, a common area, then you have bedrooms. Think about colleagues traveling on a business trip. You could have two unrelated adults. I mean, even, you know, even opposite gender, whatever, and they can stay in the same unit because they can go in their room and lock the door and they have their own ensuite bath typically. So anyway, it, yeah, we really surprisingly found it to be a great fit. So let's talk really quick about, you know, kind of how turnkey everything is, because I'm sure when, you know, back in 2016, 2015, whenever it was that we tried at the Dobie Center doing those short-term rentals on, on Airbnb, I'm sure we probably didn't report it right on the taxes. <laughs> <laughs> we probably were supposed to get some type of specific business license or whatever, <laughs> You guys really take care of all of that and, and make sure that, you know, the business doesn't have any extra work that they're going to have to do. Can you kind of explain kind of from, from the start until when you pull off of a property, you know, what is it that uh, that company, that property manager can expect that process to be like? Yeah. So that, that was something we identified really early on was that at least most, I shouldn't say all, but most companies and then their you know leadership and then on down the ranks to the onsite teams they're not they're not short terminal experts and they really don't want to be and so we we did design it to be as turnkey as possible from as you said, the compliance side, uh, just making sure is it is it allowed? You know, is this an allowed use for this asset and in, in this market? And then registering, if so, there's typically most most markets now have some kind of path of of registering units and and complying, collecting occupancy taxes, paying those. We'll handle all of that on the front end. Then there's the you know the setup. So typically, student housing units, of course, are furnished, but you know there there is some additional, it's really OS and E, it's really not FF and E uh, typically, but, you know, coffee makers, all of the consumables and toiletries that would go in a unit, linens, um, and then just some decor, just to kind of brighten up a space, make it make it interesting, maybe tell a story with that space. Like we, we did some in Louisville recently in a student housing asset. We had some Hunter S. Thompson and some Muhammad Ali, you know, decor wound up in there uh, just to kind of bring in that local flavor. But point is, we do handle all of that on the front end. We, we even finance um, those setup expenses. We, we typically don't want to own the, the furnishings or, or the OS&E. But um, but we also realize when we're brought in, you know, there's usually some kind of some kind of a need, and so maybe they're maybe maybe they're a multi billion dollar corporation, but they just don't have a budget set aside, or maybe they're a small business or a small ownership group, and they're struggling a little bit. Well, we can we can help you know activate that space and and start generating that income for them, and then just let the the operation kind of pay us back on uh, on some of those supplies. But yeah, and then in terms of guest services, housekeeping. Um, you know, really, really the whole, the whole operation. And again, typically not maintenance just because there's usually a maintenance team on site that, yeah. that, you know, and, and that gives uh, the onsite team a little bit of control that sometimes they want, you know, they can at least go in and check things, audit things, but again, we can do the maintenance too. And so, so yeah. And then all of the accounting, which is a little more complex than just cashing a normal check. Uh, you got, 
on on even one right. unit, you may have six, seven transactions in a month. You'll have some resolutions. You've got other kinds of fees and things. We handle all of that, and then we we pay out you know in arrears on a monthly basis. We paid our clients you know on time throughout the pandemic. You know, which is something that that those that focused on leasing really can't say. I'm, I'm not sure there's any any business out there that that does what we do that has that kind of a track record. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, before. Uh, before we move on, I know there are some competitors out there. Like you mentioned, you know, there were several in 2020 that, mm-hmm. you know, got out or couldn't make it. I think that one of the happiest days I've ever seen you is when you called me and told me the Expedia was pulling out. <laughs> 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 you were looking to take on as many of their clients as possible. So, but, but there are some competitors out there that are doing this for apartment communities. And I, I don't know anybody that is specifically focusing on student housing, but Tell us a little bit what you know sets you apart from from other competitors. Yeah, so since inception, uh, which was in early 2018, it was really all about the client need and really turning that whole multifamily hospitality leasing model on its head. And so, you know, it meant in practice sitting on the same side of the table most of the time as your client, as opposed to, you know, a less or lessy sort of relationship, which at times can be somewhat adversarial. And and even in the documents, you know, they're, they're sort of set up that way. Well, everything about this was around client needs and delivering value for them, super majority of the income uh, going to them, but also, you know, setting up, ha- having this operation, it's tech enabled, it's partially remote management, partially on the ground management, but allowing some customization for each client to, to kind of set their program. And we've gotten to the point now, you know, a few years into working with student housing companies where we will, we'll, you know, we're signing portfolio level kind of arrangements. It, I think of it just as an option, a kind of a tool on their, on their, on their shelf, you know, when they need it, they can pull it off and use it. And, and as you said, you know, now is kind of the time when some of those existing relationships are tapping us um, maybe in some net new markets, but, but that client focus on stay length on, you know, their pricing concerns on, you know, how do we screen guests and all of that? Because we do screen guests. We want, we want to make sure that there aren't issues too, but we allow them to have that input. And I really think that, that, that just pervades our culture and, Thankfully, we get good feedback on that on a regular basis that whether it's me or somebody on the ops team or whatever, they can reach out to us basically any time of day, um, at least somebody, and we'll get right back to them. And then and we take their their concerns or their input you know, very seriously and their ideas you know, for positive things. It's always been a shared success model. You know, the the revenue share thing has always been what we've done, and so uh, you know, I think that 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 does set us apart a little bit because of because of that culture that that we built around that. We really always, you know, pretty much always done student housing too. So I think we understand student housing operators and student housing owners pretty well at this point. And and um, you know, I consider us student housing specialists for short term rentals. And and then you know, the last thing would just be on kind of the technology, but still, again, tying it back to the clients, uh, we built we built a proprietary analytics software that really does help us with with channel and revenue management. At the end of the day, when we're hired, it's because they need to make money. They want to make money um, through yeah. this use, and so, so this this proprietary tool kind of helps us inform informs us on you know what are the best channels, informs our, our revenue strategy and and some of our tactics around that stuff, and then it also includes a client portal component. So really, at any given time, they can log in, they can see what's going on with a given asset or the overall portfolio. 
who's in each unit, you know, what what's what's the expected financial outcome this month, what's it been in the past, and so forth. So, you know, back to it being a partnership, there has to be transparency and there has to be trust. And um, and you know, we've kind of built everything around that. Yeah, that tech is great. And then also the tech that you guys deploy to make sure that you don't have any problems with, with residents is great as well. We don't have time to get into it today, but there's, uh, I think it's called noise aware, That's right. you know, which is a, which is a product that you guys deploy into the, um, into the units that, that you guys activate. And it basically it doesn't monitor conversations, but it monitors noise level. And if that gets to a point that, you know, is, it's obvious that probably someone outside of the apartment can, can hear them. It, alerts you guys and, and you guys call the resident or the, the temporary resident or whatever you want to call it, call them directly and, you know, start looking into, Hey, is something going on here? So that's right. Uh, so that's fantastic. I, I love what uh, you guys are doing from that standpoint. Well, Hey, I, again, the, the company is vector travel. The website is vectorstays.com. I will tell everybody, make sure that you go to a special landing page that Mickey has set up for our listeners, which is vectorstays.com forward slash SHI. So if you go there and you put your information in, you'll get an additional discount if, uh, if you end up working with Mickey. And then also, I think something that that's really great about working with you, Mickey, is there are some student housing assets that just aren't a good match, and you can pretty much identify those after after an initial conversation. So, I think uh, uh, you know you guys have you guys have been in this long enough. You kind of know what what will work and what will not work. So that's fantastic. It's true. Well, any other parting thoughts? Uh. Hey, I know, I know turns coming up. Um, so <laughs> I wish best of luck to everybody that, that is listening. And, uh, I know that'll be, that'll be difficult, but yeah, just keep us in mind as, uh, and really not even just us, just keep the use in mind. I mean, you, you, if you wind up with one or two units, you might want to try it out yourself. Yeah. You know, there's, there's additional tools out there, but it can be a good way to monetize your vacant units. And who knows, maybe somebody has a hospitality bent or a hospitality arm in their organization. It, maybe it's something that they want to actually explore doing themselves. But otherwise, for all the reasons we mentioned, sometimes it makes sense just to partner with somebody and, you know, and you can you can tackle tackle it across one or, or more assets to, uh, with a partner. Well, fantastic. Well, thanks so much for your time today. And yeah, we'll we'll probably talk to you sometime after turn, I'm sure. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Thanks, Wes. All right. Take care.